It's the MicroConf Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Walling. This week, we have a MicroConf Tactics episode on turning your SaaS side hustle into a full-time gig in 2023. This is where we pull audio from the YouTube channel. It's me talking for, what, 10, 12 minutes about moving from side hustle to full-time on your SaaS. Before we dive into that, if you haven't checked out my new book, The SaaS Playbook, head to sasplaybook.com to find out where you can acquire a copy. We have paperback copies now flowing out the door, and I'm done reading the audiobook. That's all produced, so there's a lot of options to get my swan song. Wait, does swan song imply the best you've ever done or the last one? I think it implies the last one, which is not what this is. So, you know, roll with me on that terminology. But this is a book I've written for now, and I'm super proud of this one. And I attempted to pack all the knowledge I have about building, growing SaaS companies, you know, the bootstrapped and mostly bootstrapped, getting to one to 20 million in ARR into this book. So sasplaybook.com if you're interested. And with that, let's dive into how to turn your SaaS side hustle into a full-time gig. In this video, I'm going to talk about how to turn your side hustle into a full-time gig in 2023. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, I'm going to tell you something you probably won't think of on your own that's super important to do after you've made the transition to working full-time on your product. I'm Rob Walling. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've invested in more than 125 startups, and now I've written four books on entrepreneurship. The fourth one is called The SaaS Playbook, and it's coming out later this year. So in this video, I'm going to focus on product side hustles. It is harder to transition to full-time working on products. The revenue is not as easy to generate. And so we might look at SaaS products, Maybe we'll talk about eBooks and courses. Honestly, the path is pretty much the same. There's very little difference between a software product, an information product, or another kind of product. And today I'm gonna to cover three topics. I'm gonna to start with talking about how to be effective when working around your day job. The second one is how to grow your company to the point where it supports you full-time. And the third is how to make that transition from being part-time nights and weekends to full-time. So first, let's talk about how to be effective while fitting your hours around your day job. A common phrase you'll hear used in this context is nights and weekends. That implies that you work a day job, eight to five, nine to five. I realize that you may be watching this and maybe you work the night shift. And so nights and weekends is, is a term I'll use. It just means fitting those hours around your full-time job. Something that I found helpful as I was going through this journey, I would carve out what I called founder time and I would go into founder mode. You can call it whatever you'd like, but I was able to mentally switch into a mode that turned my brain off from social media. I didn't watch movies. I didn't hang out with friends. I knew that if I had two hours tonight, for example, to focus on my product, that I wasn't gonna get distracted by all the distractions that can commonly get in your way. And when you're in founder mode, you're not thinking about the laundry, you're not thinking about what's on TV, and you're not thinking about checking Twitter or Facebook. The key to getting into this mode is to be disciplined and then to strive to be effective, to actually work on the things that move the needle. And in the early days, it's hard to know what's gonna move the needle. So you have to use your founder's gut instinct and take your best guess. But the key thing is, if you only have two hours to work, you don't have the luxury of wasting time or procrastinating. So while watching a YouTube video about how Metallica wrote Enter Sandman, is awesome, and it's something I do in my free time. Founder time is not free time. This is not the time to be seeking videos of Paul McCartney playing his epic bass lines. It's a time where you have to relentlessly execute. I've used this phrase in the past, relentless execution. Relentlessly executing just means when I sit down to work on my product, my goal is to get to working on it full time. It's to grow this to the point where it 
pays my salary or it covers my living expenses. You don't get there by accident. Be prepared that you're going to have to sacrifice some things, maybe like going out with friends or not doing your hobby for a year or two. I would say don't sacrifice your time with your kids or your spouse because that has long-term ramifications. Everything else is gonna have to have flex around your founder time. I have many hobbies. I play the guitar. I love playing tabletop games. I love playing Dungeons and Dragons. I stopped those hobbies for about a decade and I wouldn't recommend everyone do it for that long. But while I was building my companies, I needed to be focused and I needed to execute. And then once I hit points where I was able to sell or I was able to take breaks, then I would resume those hobbies. Now a decade's a long time to do it. I would hope you don't have to do it for that long. There's more information out there about how to succeed with side projects like this YouTube channel. And there are just easier and faster ways to get there than there were when I was coming up. I started working on stuff two decades ago. There wasn't social media. There weren't as many ways to kind of move fast and get to the full-time income. So hopefully you can get there faster. Now, if you don't have a significant other or kids, it's an easy trap to just work all the time, to come home from work at five or six and then work till midnight and then work the weekends. You can do that, but honestly, I would try to be smart about focusing on the things that matter and ignoring everything else. And if you do wind up with a significant other or you do have children, you're gonna need to learn it. So I would focus on being effective rather than looking at the, the vast sea of time that you have ahead of you. Because I think if you feel like you have amazing time abundance, it can lead you to either procrastinate or just to work on things that don't move the needle. Competition for great talent is more challenging than ever. Almost every startup I know struggles to hire fast enough to keep up with demand. In order to hire faster, you need a trusted source of pre-vetted candidates. Lemon.io is that source. They have an extensive network of engineers from Europe and Latin America, and every candidate has been tested and interviewed by their team. You're probably wondering, how is this different from hiring on your own? Number one, you can have an engineer who can start working within a week instead of months. Number two, you don't waste your time on unqualified candidates. Number three, you'll have easy access to global talent without going through dozens of job boards. And number four, it's more affordable than hiring local talent. So if you need to expand your engineering team or delegate some of your engineering work, use lemon.io. We have a special discount for fans of MicroConf. Visit lemon.io slash microconf to receive a 15% discount for the first four weeks of working with a developer. That's lemon.io slash microconf. I had my first entrepreneurial success online. My wife and I had a six month old baby at the time and I had to be extremely productive in the handful of hours I got to work on my side projects. And usually we would put the baby to bed at seven o'clock say, and I had two to four hours depending on the night, sometimes no hours if friends were coming over. And so you have to be relatively meticulous about planning out in advance, what am I gonna work on tonight? Because what you don't wanna do is sit down and not know what to do next, not know what makes you effective. And so I would separate planning from execution. And for planning, I would get in planning mode, put stuff in an Excel spreadsheet, and basically just work down those tasks. When I was in execution, I didn't have to think about what to do next. I just worked down the tasks. With all of this in mind, this is why the stair-step method is so powerful. And step one businesses are ideal for this phase because you don't have a lot of time. And step one businesses remove an entire half of the business, all the marketing stuff that you have to do. It's just gone because you have this single traffic channel usually built in a marketplace. And you know, with info products, I mentioned at the top, we might talk about info products. You can still build in Udemy and Udacity and these other marketplaces that actually bring customers to you. And you don't keep all the money, but a step one business is about gaining experience and revenue and confidence and skills. And doing that on such a limited amount of time each week 
is why step one businesses are so awesome for this point in your entrepreneurial journey. The final piece of making this work around your day job is if you have an office in your house with a door that closes, that's amazing. I did not have that luxury. And frankly, I think a lot of you watching this don't. I had a desk in our living room. I put headphones on. Sometimes my wife would watch TV. Sometimes she would go to bed. We talked about this being a shared goal for me to be an entrepreneur. And she and I were both all in on that. And you can make this work as well if that's your situation. Lastly, something that really helped me in the early days was I learned to delegate. I talk a lot about this in my first book, Start Small, Stay Small, but I started hiring virtual assistants or less expensive developers so I could hand off tasks and work would get done while I was sleeping. Even if I wasn't making a tremendous amount of money, by the time I was making $1,000 a month from my side project, I was spending $1,000 on outsourcing, but work could get done while I was sleeping. And that allowed me to move faster to get to that point where I transitioned to full-time. So topic number two is how to grow your product, how to grow your side hustle to the point where it covers the monthly amount you need to be bringing in to handle your budget. Basically, you have two choices, to double down on what's working or to find new growth channels. Doubling down on what's working implies if you're doing some SEO and that's where most of your traffic comes from, you figure out how to get more SEO traffic. You go up the funnel, down the funnel, you invest and you go deep. If for some reason you can't double down on what's working, if there's just no more water to be wrung out of that sponge, so to speak, then you might have to look for new marketing channels. And of course, when it comes to SaaS, I have my big five marketing channels, SEO, pay-per-click, cold outreach, integrations and partnerships, and content marketing. These are just the five most common B2B SaaS marketing approaches. Then there's others that are still super important, affiliates, in-person events, engineering is marketing. I have a full list of the 20 B2B SaaS marketing approaches in my new book, which is at sasplaybook.com. Now, those are the SaaS approaches. What if you have info products and courses? Usually, it's about growing your audience, right? It's about diving into social media, guest posting, SEO, branching out to a podcast or YouTube or TikTok, podcast guest appearances. These are all ideas that you can branch into. Growth doesn't happen by accident, right? You have to be disciplined and you have to focus on it and don't try a bunch of things at once. If you have a channel that's working, double down, triple down, keep going until you have all the traffic that you think you can get from it. Once you branch out into other traffic channels, it becomes a big experiment and a lot of stuff doesn't work and that can be demotivating if you're working nights and weekends. And sometimes realize that your product may just have a natural plateau at $2,000 or $3,000 a month, and it might never equal your full-time salary or the amount you need to live. And that's where you think about moving to step two in the stair step. Get multiple products. You either start another one or you acquire another one. Often you can do it in the same marketplace or app store that you're already operating in. And then you stack those to get to that point of full-time income. I've talked a lot about growth in other videos on this channel. Two that I can recommend are about how to find your first 100 customers. And another one is about moving from 100 to 1,000 customers. Finally, let's talk about how to make that transition to working full-time on your product. I remember vividly the first day that I didn't have to report to anyone else. No full-time job, no consulting clients. And I knew that I was gonna do that for the rest of my life. I could never go back. I had become unemployable. In the middle of the day, I sipped coffee while looking at books in a Barnes and Noble and I was in heaven. But how do you get to that point? There's a big question around this. It's when do you make this transition? And it really depends on your risk tolerance. So for me, it was about 15 years ago and I needed $8,000 a month to pay the house payment. We were living in Boston at the time, which is pretty expensive. My wife was a postdoc, so she made a stipend but didn't have large full-time income. So I was the, the majority breadwinner, you might say. And so I needed 8,000 a month to make my expenses. Now as a consultant, 
I had been making 20K a month. And as a full-timer, I was making about 110, $120,000. That was years prior, but I didn't need to make that much money to quit the day job because our expenses were less than what we needed. And so I looked at it as the moment that I hit 8K a month in product revenue, I can quit my day job. Now keep in mind, as you have revenue from your side project, you should be stockpiling that income, not spending it on cars or vacations or whatever, but you stockpile that because you can quit the day job even before your product revenue exceeds your expenses if you have enough cash in the bank. So let's say you need $8,000 a month and let's say your product income is at $4,000 a month. So you have a deficit or a burn of 4,000, but let's say you've saved up $40,000 from product income and it's sitting in a bank account. 10 months of runway, it's maybe not a bad gamble. Do you think you can grow your product up to 8,000 a month to cover that deficit over the next 10 months before your cash runs out? For me, that's a pretty safe bet. And what I ended up doing is when my products hit 6,000, they were growing pretty steadily. And I figured within three or four months, I'd be at 8,000 and it turns out I was. One thing I'll note is if you're in the United States, healthcare is definitely more of a concern than you want it to be because it's very expensive. Ideally, if you have a spouse that still works, you can use the healthcare provided by their job or you go to healthcare.gov. It's not ideal. You're probably gonna pay more for a plan that isn't as good as what you'd get from your employer. But these are the trade-offs, unfortunately, we're forced to make in the United States. Something else I wanna add a lot of people don't think about is don't burn bridges, whether it's at your day job or with consulting clients. There's a chance you might need to go back and work for them again, or maybe they'll hire you as a freelancer if you need a little bit of extra income to kind of make things work in the meantime. The nicer you are here and the better you make that transition for them, the more likelihood that down the line, maybe you work together again if that's something that you need. When I transitioned to working on my products full-time, I actually went from five days a week of work to four days and then down to three days. And it worked super well because it cut down on my stress of having reduced earnings. And it also helped my day job transition over a longer period of time to take all my responsibilities and give them to other people. In a minute, I'm gonna talk about something super important to do after you've made this transition. But before I do that, I wanted to let you know about MicroConf Connect. It's our online community of more than 4,000 founders, bootstrapped, mostly bootstrapped. It's a great community that we heavily moderate. And there's a ton of great conversations on all things SaaS and growth and marketing and entrepreneurship. And there's even local channels for different cities. It's a great place to hang out, ask questions, give some value and get some value back. Okay, so once you've made this transition to working full-time on your own products, it's a huge milestone. Something a lot of people forget to do is to celebrate it. The road is hard. The road is long and the road has a lot of ups and downs. Celebrate these moments when you can and when you have them. This is something I didn't used to do a great job of doing. And at the encouragement of my wife, she would take notice that something amazing just happened, whether it's launching a book, launching a new conference, launching a new batch of tiny seed startups. Each of these milestones is a chance for me to celebrate a victory with myself, with my team. And if you forget to do this, you can start to run out of steam over time because you don't remember the good times, you remember the hard times. But if you celebrate, it can drive them home in your mind as being these amazing parts of the journey. And keep in mind to celebrate it with those who contributed. Whether you have a team, whether you have a significant other, all of these people are involved in making this happen. And moving from nights and weekends to working full time on your own side hustle is a pretty amazing milestone and worth celebrating. I hope you enjoyed this one on turning your side hustle into a full-time gig in 2023. I'll see you in next week's video.